0: Welcome to USA football's coach and coordinator podcast, where top football coaches from around the country share their stories, philosophies, concepts, and strategies to help you get better on and off the field. Now, here's your host, Keith Grabowski. Hey, coaches, before we get going today, I just wanted to thank you for all you've been doing to support this podcast, and we have an incredible lineup coming up here We have just about every major college conference represented. We have a ton of FBS coaches, Division II coaches, Division III coaches, some great high school football coaches coming on the podcast to share with you and help you grow professionally during this time. I really appreciate all of you asking your questions on Twitter. Please follow me at Coach K Grabowski for our daily updates on our guests and your opportunity to ask questions. We will read them on the show and attribute those to you. So please contribute to the show as much as you can. Our football development model, which is something we've rolled out here at USA football. And this is really for you to be able to help your youth football programs develop. It's about a long-term athlete development plan. something that comes off of the American development model, which is something that the USOC has put together. The idea is that we're able to teach skills in a progression starting at the youngest ages. We're also looking at the different game types we have, whether that's flag, Which is non-contact, limited contact games like padded flag or tackle bar and full contact and the right progressions for contact teaching there as well. Be sure to check out all we do at footballdevelopment.com and check out what we're doing with the FDM, the football development model, at USAFootball.com backslash FDM. On today's podcast, we're gonna talk a little pro-style offense, talking about shifts and motions and 11 and 12 personnel, uh, run action passes, and quarterback development, and how that's all kind of translated more into an adaptation of some spread and RPO concepts in the XFL game. And joining me today on the podcast, again for the second time, is the offensive coordinator at the D.C. Defenders, Tanner Angstrom. Tanner, it's great to be talking ball with you again
1: yeah great to be back on. I really appreciate it It's a privilege to to come back and and talk to you and and your listeners
0: absolutely so I think the first time we connected, you were at San Diego and it was right at the time you were making a transition over to from being the o c at San Diego to being an analyst at michigan and you know from michigan then you've you've gone on to the x f l and become a coordinator again for our listeners out there definitely want to link back to coach's first interview with us where we talked about and shared some of a little bit more of his background and development as a coach Uh, so be sure to check that out in our show notes but today coach I guess if you could I guess just fill in the gap you know the move from then Michigan to the XFL how did that opportunity present itself?
1: Yeah. You know, that opportunity presented itself when Pep Hamilton decided to take the head coaching job for the DC defenders in the XFL and leaving Michigan. And, you know, there was a, a couple months there where, where he was, he had he had gone and, and we'd had a few conversations and, and ultimately it, it you know, turned into a, a great opportunity for me to become a coordinator again. And, uh, and try my, try my foot into the professional football world, which was a little bit of a departure since I had been in college the whole time. But we felt like it was, a, it was a great opportunity to get to that level and become a coordinator again. And we're real thankful to Pep for, for that opportunity.
0: So, Coach, in, in looking at, you know, some of the things you, you wrote down as, as we were discussing topics to talk about today, you know, using multiple personnel groupings, formations, motions, shifts, run, action, passing, to push the ball vertically from under center, you know, the description of it right, you know, came right to mind of, well, this sounds a lot like some of the stuff that Shanahan and McVay and LaFleur are doing and flourishing with in the NFL. But you've had a a little bit, I guess, of a, a little bit more of the dynamic of rule changes that, and, you know, the personnel available for you to be able to get into, the spread in RPO world as well and adding those things into basically a pro style offense.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's kind of what we've been developing here over the last year since we got together and building the the, the offense for the D C defenders was and you know, we ended up calling it called it a no coast offense. Which meant we were gonna bring some <laughs> some some elements of our West Coast past, you know, with Pep and myself with the pro style stuff, with the addition of some of the, the new school things where guys to attack space and you know do some of the the RPO things to, to take advantage of of those different elements of the defense uh, along with again staying true to the roots which ultimately is going to be being physical up front establishing a run game and then building everything off of that yeah i
0: I remember a, a tweet going out from quarterback collective early in the NFL season and can't remember I think it was, you know, he was at the forty ers game. This was Richmond Flowers and he he tweeted out a run game is the quarterback's best friend. And, you know, we saw that this year, that, you know, the the Niners especially just dominant in the run game all the way to the Super Bowl. And the other thing, you know, which they did a ton of was a lot of the shifts' emotions. I think at one point I read that they had like seventy three percent of their snaps were with some kind of movement involved. So now you mentioned to me, though, the, the movement, you had some considerations as far as the play clock that, that may limit you a little bit.
1: Yeah. So, you know, in the XFL, we had a 25-second play clock, which is far departure from a 40-second play clock, you know, in college. You know, occasionally, what is it, the 25 seconds when, when the ball is dead and, and that type of stuff. But we really had a 25 second play clock between every play with a running clock outside of 2 minutes so the game happened a little bit faster so that that put most people in more of a no huddle or a muddle huddle type of mentality because of the time constraints we also did have some a new communication system which was which was pretty interesting where all the quote skill players on offense non-o linemen had headsets in their helmets so we could talk directly to those guys, calling the formations and calling the and then the quarterback would relay the, the calls like a no huddle offense uh, to be fine as to what we were running. So, you know, with the with the shortage of time, we didn't get to, to utilize quite as many shifts and motions as as we would have in the past as, as you're seeing in some of those those offenses like Coach Shanahan and the Niners or Packers and, and really the Titans and those types of plays. Uh, those types of places where they are utilizing the run game to open up the pass game. And I think that's a pretty true statement that you had earlier where the run game is a quarterback, you know, and, and why is that is because then you, you got an established run game, the defense has to really commit more players to the box, opening up deeper holes deeper down the field for your deep crosses or your deep digs and, and those types of plays and off of those run actions.
0: So coach, I'm interested in the communication, you know, you're going from the college level where it's all hand signals or sending a play into the huddle off a wristband or whatever it might be to now being able to communicate with players on the field. So there's that, I guess that efficiency and getting the the call to the skill players. How did that change things for you in just terms of how you thought about procedures, right? And the procedures you're going to use.
1: Yeah, you know, I think the the thing that it enables you to do is to, to get the formation and the non-alignment lined up quickly into a into a formation. And maybe you can double count a little bit and try to see what the defense is doing or, or have some sort of you know man zone indicator or, or indicator for and get your play call in based off of that. If you got them lined up quick enough, we were able to take advantage of that a little bit this year. But ultimately, it was, if we saw something that didn't look quite right, or you know, you, you thought somebody had a bewildered look on their face, or, or something like that, you could really still communicate with them through the headset. and go, Hey, you've got this route, you know, or remember this, or something along those lines, as the as the play was going down because there was no cutoff. So, so you could really you could make it sure that the guys were in the right spot. You, know, you, you wanted to, to leave a little grace period for the guys to play though too. You wanted to keep talking to them the whole time.
0: So I think that's an interesting concept there. So whether it's through you know, the headset like you guys have, or, you know, very fast, like you see some teams with their hand signals, utilizing then shifts and motions with that, right? The, The advantage that comes from that. And I've had a lot of coaches interested in this, this off season. And how do I add some of those things back to my offense? And as well as not just how do I do it, but why? What's the advantage of me using shift emotions against the defense?
1: Yeah. Some of the advantages, I think, of, of shifts in motions, it's really to, one, you're going to try to undress you know, the defense and get them to, to show you what they're going to do and really to try to set their defense to how you want it based on that shift to attack the specific area of the defense that you want to attack. For example, if you want to trade the tight end or you want to be in 12 personnel and be in a wing set and you want to move them from one side to the other, you know, why would you wanna do that? You know, for example, if they're an odd front team, are they gonna reset the whole structure of the defense? You know, are they gonna flop the linebackers on both sides? The four down front, do they have a total reset or do they always set a three technique to the to the tight end? And when you shift, does that three technique just bump down to a shade and then the shade's gotta bump out to a three? You know, do their defensive ends, is he a strong side D end? Is he a weak side D end? And in those players into positions that they're not typically there for or in their defensive structure, that's not where they want them. And then you, so with the shift you can get that defense into an unfamiliar position or doing something that they're not as good at as maybe the other side of the front. So I think that number one is, is part of, part of those shifts in the motion that we're trying to look for. Uh, You know, are they a reset team or, or what is it, you know, what does it look like? And how do they adjust when you do that to, to really get what you want in a, in a front? You know, as far as motions are concerned, say you're in 11 personnel and they, they want to set the three technique away from the running back or, or to the tight end. They want to set a three to the tight end, but you only want to run inside zone to the shade, to a G bubble. Well, if you set your tight end to the one side and then you can motion your tight end across to the other side, well, they set their three to the tight end and the back, but now if they cut it at the front or they leave it be, then you can find a way to, to run the ball at a low technique, you know, or like I said, at a G bubble or, or a shape. You know, try, just trying to to get the play that you want run to the ideal look is really what you're trying to do as far as the run game is going with those shifts and those motions.
0: Coach, when you look at this and you're breaking a team down and, you know, this is something – Thinking back to when I was at BW, we would use a lot of 12 as well. But the 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 guys we'd use were kind of hybrid. So they could go out and play in the slot a little bit. I mean, we might not run them on a bubble, but there there were things they could do. We looked at it too. You know, what could we do, for example, to, to get a defense, you know, start off in like a double tight, double flank, right? Two by two formation, get them to make their double tight check. And then go into something else that they would also probably have only one or two checked for as well. Most of them only one. So we'd go from a double tight then to a trips bunch, right? And now we go from a check to a check, which we felt like almost insured we're going to get that one look. That they're going to get out of some of the things they're doing and check use their basic check because we moved move from one, you know, something they had to check once into something else they had to check again.
1: No, yeah, you're, you're exactly right. You know, one of the things with those shifts and those motions, what you're talking about, you know, from the double tight to some sort of bunches, is, is you're getting the defense out of their initial call. Like, you're making them have to check. And a defense, really, in some of those formations, they're going to have one check, such as maybe it's an empty check or, like you're saying, a bunch check. You're getting them out of their, their first call. So they're having to play something that they necessarily they didn't necessarily want to play. And then if you know what that is, then you can go ahead and, and really have a have a good chance to attack that defense where it's weak.
0: So coach, moving on and looking at, you know, the personnel and, you know, run action passing for you guys, something that's that's been really good. Part of that attack for you is utilizing those personnel groupings and formations to make those same concepts appear different something again you, you see you know again looking at what the Niners did you know again and again the same concepts but all kinds of different presentations of it for you guys kind of the same philosophy same thought use those personnel groupings use those formations to get you into something that's advantageous for the run action pass
1: that's right and and really you know your run actions have to be based off of the runs that you run you know so if you're an under center inside zone team, you're going to have your under center inside zone run actions, however that may be, is it an open side or a, or a, or a strong side and, and, and those types of things to protect the run, right, to make those things look the same. So going into any, any given week, you're, you're really kind of saying, okay, how are we going to run the ball and what are their coverages behind it? Wow. And that coverage, you know, when they start committing guys into the box and, and you're building those, again, off of your runs, now, sometimes the, the protection may not be exactly the run, but it, it looks very similar to it to it up front and with the ball handling and those types of things. But it, it, as far as you know, using the same types of play concepts, you know, for example, we would really call, say we wanted to run somebody in the deep on the post, somebody in the 18 to 22 yard area in the, in the hash or between the hash and the numbers area, and in the third level, somebody out in the flat, Right so you know again everybody's run some sort of whether you call it sail or or rattle or python or you know whatever you want might want to call it you know with a post and a corner and somebody in the flat you can run that type of concept out of say 12 personnel well then you can get into 11 personnel you can also do it out of out of 22 if you wanted to or 13 if you have it and then really you're just you're building the same thing just with a different formation or a different motion, or maybe bringing somebody on a deep cross, which you see a lot of, right, with a post and a deep cross coming into that area with somebody into the flat. Just you're really putting guys in the same exact area. Jim McElwain, actually, something I really took to put into my uh, into my verbiage is the dots are the same, where the quarterback's looking. He's got a high-low read, he's going post, but that secondary, that second-level area, 18 to 22, back to the flat. Wherever you bring that guy from, however you get him there, it's always somebody in the same area. And now what concept you're going to run is really going to be based on what coverage those guys are, are playing and, and how do they try to cover those areas up and, you know, where's their, where are their run fits and how is your action going to affect those guys because really you're trying to disarm the linebackers with your actions to get that intermediate level player behind them, you know. So I think that's something that, that, that we've always kind of thought of. And in addition to that, just trying to get the best, best match, get your best player into those areas, you know?
0: Coach, looking at the the quarterback, whether that's run action pass or just drop back passing, you know, something you're a, a big believer in is their feet, right? Using their feet as, as they read the pass concepts. And I, I'm completely aligned with you there. In fact, Going back to, I could think of it, it's like ingrained in my head now because I would say it so often to our quarterbacks is move your eyes and feet through the progression, right? That is not just their eyes. Their feet actually calibrate it, provide the timing, and move them to where they need to be in a progression. Talk to us a little bit about your philosophy with that and, and how you train that.
1: When we talk about the quarterback reading a pass concept with his feet, you know, his, his eyes are connected to his feet. But what we try to do is we want to be in line with the top of the drop. So when the quarterback hits the top of his drop, say he's in the shotgun and, and he's under normal five-step timing. So if he was under center, it's a five-rhythm a five drop. And in the gun, it'll be a three-rhythm drop. We want that first receiver to be open when he hits, when that third step hits, his, hits the ground. So if that first receiver is open, the ball is going to come out right now on the plant. Now, if the quarterback has to hitch or reset off of the step, it's not open. He can see that as he's processing the information. So he hits the third step and immediately that triggers him to hitch to the next receiver. So once he's taken that hitch, he knows I'm off of the first guy and I'm on to the second player. And as I've looked at it and I've read the defense when I'm with my eyes in a in sync with my puts me onto that second receiver. And as I move that second receiver on that first hitch, the ball's out to him. And if the ball's not out to him, I'm onto the third player. While once I hit that second hitch, most of the time you're going to have to start moving yourself up into the pocket in what we would call a hitch-hitch-go-or-throw mentality off of that, that second hitch. Because not often are you going to be back there able to hitch, 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 and try to work all the way through but that's kind of what we talk about when we say read it with your feet. When I hit that, that top of the drop, the ball's out right now if one is open. If one's not open, I'm hitching back to two. If two's not open, I hitch one more time, and I may start to, to move my body towards the line of scrimmage with still maintaining a passing profile back to three with the ability or check down of that. But that's really kind of what we talk about as far as reading with our feet the the concept has to be in line with the quarterback's drop so the ball can come out at the right time to the right player in the right spot.
0: I think that's a a great way to calibrate your passing game. Now, the the one thing I learned pretty quick as we got into doing it like this is that we had to get our receivers on the same page too. So, you know, it's funny you see all these these videos on YouTube and these guys doing all kinds of stuff at the line of scrimmage and, you know, or at the the top of a route and, you know, in all reality, within a rhythm passing game, within a calibrated passing game, some of those moves just don't work. In fact, it'll take the quarterback off you pretty quick that especially if it's that that first look, you can't spend a ton of time. You got to be you got to be running. So how do you coach up the receivers within your system to be able to, to do those things and, and, again, get calibrated so that they're coming out of their break, the quarterback's able to deliver them the ball? Because if they're not there, if they've wasted time on the line of scrimmage or, you know, on their break or whatever it might be, he's got, he's got to move on.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, no question about it. I mean, that's, that's really important, especially really where that, what, where does that come into play? You know, a couple different, a couple different thoughts. One would be man-to-man coverage, right, or press coverage. Maybe they're playing quarters press or they're playing true sort of cover one, you know, when it's press, whether they're playing hole or robber or something like that. But when the quarterback comes out and as he's assessing his pre-snap keys, you know, he's looking at a boundary safety. He's looking at an apex defender. He's seeing it. Do I have press? What, what is the coverage, you know, to, to give him the intel as to where the ball really ought to go within this concept, the quarterback will be taught when it's press coverage, the timing may be thrown off just a split second, you know? So he also has to adjust just a hair with his drop where he may need to to sit on that back foot just for a second. For example, maybe on a slant, you know, it's not just going to be catch plant and throw, right? He may have to sit on that back foot to throw a slant versus press coverage or something like that. But what also, you know, could happen is, where he's taking his drop and he knows it's man-to-man coverage, he's able to get off of one if one is a stationary target. He knows I'm not throwing it to that guy. And then he can really progress to number two, which may be a runaway route where that has man answers built in within it. Does that make sense? So where that's that's something that you have to teach the quarterback as well is if one's taken away, we know we're now hitching to number two. And number two, his timing may, may slightly pause just a split second, but also we will have have a, an adjustment, like a man adjustment in depth in the, in the route concept. So say you're running a curl route, maybe you're running a curl at 12 versus press man, that curl may only be at 10 now. And so then that will still time up with the quarterback's feet so I think it's all built in as part of the the learning process for the quarterback and the receivers is Mm -hmm. knowing where we need to be and when we need to be there and for the quarterback versus press or something along those lines the timing is probably going to be thrown off just a split second so I may be may have to be just a little bit more patient
0: With your drill work, your individual work with your QBs, I know we, again, would work a lot of this. I mean, we were always talking about that timing, that rhythm, that that calibration. So they understood, you know, when we're doing a drill, nothing changes. Your eyes and feet are going to a certain place. How are you training the quarterback up? What things go into, you know, your daily work as well as the stuff you're going to reinforce in, you know, Skelly or team or whatever it might be?
1: Yeah, you know, I always I always started off with just, you know, your quick standard warm-up drills. But every single day, we were going to get through the drops that we had going on in practice that day. And we would call out a route, and, you know, we're going to run a drop. And it might just be in our warm-up session where we're just with the quarterbacks down there, an individual. And we're just going through, hey, we're doing under center. Okay, we got three-step drop. We're throwing a flat route, and we got a stick route. Okay, we're going to take the appropriate drop, one, two, three, plant and throw. And then one, two, three, sit on it, find the stick. Or it could be, you know, it could be like a curl route or or something along those lines. But we're running what we would call Hank, right? With a sit over a ball with a curl on the outside and flat routes, right? So as you're building those things, the quarterback has got to have his eyes in the right area as we're spot dropping and working on our drops so that the quarterback knows that we're not just out here just taking drops to take drops. We're getting a mental rep on a specific play while we're practicing our drop and getting warm all at the same time. And then as you get warm, you start building in spot drop throws. And then you're calling out a, a play and you're giving him a one, a two, a three. Or maybe if you have enough guys, you can have a defender out there that you can kind of cover up cover up one to make him hitch back to two and those types of things. But all that stuff is really good to get the quarterback loose, warmed up, get his feet hot and ready for practice, while also getting a mental rep at – each play that, that may be in for that day. As the quarterbacks get going, what you also have to understand is more often than not in the game, it's not going to be exactly perfect. Like you draw on a sheet, you know, or you take just a true five and a hitch and, and the ball's gone. They have to be able to throw from, you know, maybe a, a frontal position where their feet aren't totally in what we would call a path profile but where they've had to move off of the spot to find a little space in the pocket. So as you develop the quarterbacks and, and they're kind of understanding the this, the, the number one drop, the day one drop, you can then start to incorporate a few of those other things to move them around to making a, maybe a non-traditional throw or from a different arm angle that they may need to work to, to find that, that route within the timing of it and the scope of, of of what you're trying to accomplish with, with the routes and and all that stuff.
0: And I love that. You know, you, you think of all the opportunities and even doing some stuff with some non throws. I mean, one really effective drill. I picked this up from Dub Maddox years ago was just a concept call drill. So the concept call drill was basically these guys would line up. We'd give them a play call. So we'd call it, you know, rip six, 65 takeoff. Right. And so, those, you know, We give one quarterback the cadence, the other guys are all across the line, and I'm just watching them, right? Those guys are taking their drops, and I should see their eyes going to exact places, moving with their feet, and they're just calling it out. So they, they might say, you know, seam, dig, come back, and I see their feet moving to it. I think that kind of stuff just becomes very effective and reinforces that the eyes and, and feet moving through the progression.
1: No, yeah, anything you can do to, to get those those physical reps to, to train the feet and train the eyes all at the same time are really going to help and, and get those quarterbacks to progress within the offense and within, you know, the structure of what you're trying to do. The, the, that, to me, the, like you're saying is give them a play. Don't just go out there and say, hey, we're going to practice our five-step drops. Okay, well, great. That's fine. But what play am I running this drop on? Then you can get really more of a cross training and of the of the offense in addition to their fundamentals.
0: Definitely, I love that stuff. Thanks for sharing all that with us. Again, I think it's it's really useful. And I would point our listeners back to I mean the, the, look in our show notes. I'll link. I know we've had a couple where we've discussed these kind of concepts for quarterbacks, coach. I got to ask you, moving to the XFL, some innovative rule changes, a lot of things, you know, when you see them, you're like, wow, how's that going to work out? What were some things you were, I guess, pleasantly surprised with that, you know, once you saw it and, you know, had to work within it, you thought it's not a bad idea?
1: Being my first time in professional football, you know, there's still a few changes from from the NFL where, you know, maybe you had two steps inbounds. In our league, in the XFL, you still only had one, just like college. So there was that aspect that, that actually sped the game up a little bit It limited some of the reviews that needed to happen, but really, ultimately, the one that was 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 very intriguing was the the 25-second play clock. That sped the game up significantly. Now, the funny thing is, is we didn't have any. We averaged real less plays than you might have in a normal game. We're still getting 65 plays in in a game offensively because you're forced really to push your tempo. And and have those have your calls ready and get on the line and, and call the play. Uh, the other thing that I thought was really unique and ended up being more difficult than I think anybody thought was the extra points. Where the league we did away with the the kicking of an extra point. You know, like in college, it's it's down there at the at the three, and in, in NFL, it's back at the you know they're kicking a 35-yard field goal. For us, it was the one-point conversion from the two, the two-point conversion from the five, and a three-point conversion from the ten. You know, that brought some excitement to it, but it was more challenging than I think anybody thought that it, that it was going to be, you know, based on what you can do. So you really had to, had to think about that and, and put a lot of time and effort into, into what you were going to run in those situations. Unfortunately, we weren't as successful as we would have liked to be in that world, but, but I thought that was, was kind of a game-changer, and it brought more excitement to the game.
0: Definitely. Well, I I thought there were a ton of neat concepts there. Unfortunately, you know, you guys were forced to cut your season short along with every other sport in the country. We're all missing sports right now, but it's been great to see you and, you know, your progression here from the first time I met you to where you're at as a coach. And I'm excited to see where you go from
1: here. Yeah, I really appreciate it. And, you know, we just hope everybody out there staying at home and staying safe. And, Everybody, will, you know, we'll all get through it and in, in due time, and and things will be back to, we'll be back down, back out there on the field, you know, come next spring.
0: Coaches, again, I want to remind you of what we're doing with the football development model. Please push this down to your youth coaches. I think this is a great way for you to get some organization and structure beyond what you've already done. Check it out. All of our, our program development for youth football at fdm.usafootball.com. Again, check out our systems for blocking, tackling, and defeating blocks at footballdevelopment.com. If you register with your email, you get your choice of three free videos. There's some great things in there. I think things that as you get going again, you can get into the summer and maybe make up on some things that you might have lost if you had a spring ball, if you had time here in the spring to work on football. Some great drills for all those phases of contact. If you're enjoying the podcast, please have it over to iTunes or your platform and give us a five-star rate. If you have a minute, write a review. We really appreciate it, and we will read your review on our highlight show that we do at the end of the week. Thanks for listening to USA Football's Coach and Coordinator Podcast. For more resources, visit the Coach Performance Center at usafootball.com.